Hello, and welcome to Spectology, the science fiction book club podcast. I'm your host, Adrian. I'm Matt. I'm Gin Jenny. And I'm Whiskey Jenny. Jenny's. Welcome, everyone. Uh, so Spectology is a podcast where each month we pick a book, read it, and talk about it over the course of two episodes. This is our pre-read episode, uh, so spoiler-free and kind of contextual episode for our May book, which is The Raven Tower by Anne Leckie. Um, we also, on this episode, are joined by two wonderful guests, uh, the demographically similar Jennies from the Reading the End podcast and blog. So um, do you two want to introduce yourselves really quickly? Uh, yeah, we are two women named Jenny, and we talk about books uh, twice a month, sometimes three times a month um, at readingtheend.com. Um, I am also on Twitter at Reading the End. This is Jen Jenny speaking. Um, Whiskey Jenny is not on Twitter, but when she does have thoughts to share with Twitter... <laughs> I translate them into Twitter for her. So she's the uh, smart one of the group, like Matt wh- whis- is. Yes. Whiskey yes. Jenny, I identify no. with, y- with you. I did not know that. And I feel we have a new connection. Even, <laughs> well, even, beyond, even beyond all the other connections that may be obvious given <laughs> the format of your podcast. <laughs> or the format of our podcast, which is the derivative one. <laughs> Great. And uh, Whiskey Jenny, do you want to introduce yourself just really quickly? Oh, yes. I'm Whiskey Jenny. I um, don't really do anything else on the internet besides podcasting with Gin Jenny. Um, but I conjure we both into it. Out. <laughs> um, but it's been really fun. Um, we both started out working together and then Gin Jenny sadly moved away. Um, but we have uh, kept up podcasting together and it's been a delight. Yes, it really has. Nice. Yeah. Podcast it has, friends. It Podcast has friends. also been a delight for those of us who listen, because <laughs> your podcast is great. Oh, thank you. You're so kind. Y'all's is as well. well thank and I'm, you. I'm, yeah. Yeah, we do a Things We Like podcast every now and again, where we just talk about stuff we like. And I, I brought up your podcast, like, I don't know, months months ago when we did it. And the my, you know, my thought was it's like the most charming podcast I've ever listened to. <laughs> extremely charming. Whiskey Jenny was very, we were both very touched. Whiskey Jenny was extremely touched. I don't want to sell you out, Whiskey Jenny, but. You might have teared up a little bit. I might have teared up at how nice you were. It was just, it was a very complimentary. Uh, some words that um, I listened to, and it was yeah, it was it was really nice to hear. Yeah, whiskey Jenny famously cries at at everything. So well, and that I I actually feel a lot of kinship with you, whiskey Jenny. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, and then also, I guess it's worth noting. Um, I was just on your guys's podcast. Yeah. I get to I got to go talk about. Um, Karen Lord's The Best of All Possible Worlds, as well as a bunch of other books with you guys, which is a book that Matt recommended. Oh, thanks, Matt. We enjoyed it. Yeah. It was was a lot of fun. I haven't listened to that episode yet. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. It's not out when we record. Yeah, it'll be out when this airs. It'll be out. So when this airs, it will have been out for like almost a week, I think. So all of our listeners should go to their podcast and listen. Yeah. Crossover podcast event. Yeah. This is a, you know, crossover special. (laughs) Exactly. Which is the best kind of special. Um, So our book for this month is, like I said earlier, The Raven Tower by Anne Leckie. Uh, It's a book. I So I have never read anything by Anne Leckie. I don't think either of the Jennies have either. Is that right? That's correct. That is right. But Matt, you've been recommending her to me for a long time. Yeah. Anne Leckie is amazing. She's so good. Uh, I have read a trilogy of hers, and I look forward to reading all of her other books, although I have not yet read all of her other books. Um, oh, you haven't? Okay. Oh, just three. Um, 
she has written a bunch of sci-fi books set in uh, oh. what's called the Raj universe. Um, oh. And so, you know, originally we were thinking about doing one of her sci-fi books for the pod, but this is just as good because I haven't read it. And so that's very exciting for me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Matt does not like to reread books. So we, you know, try it's to true. pick, pick new and fresh stuff. I'm just like super difficult. <laughs> right. I'm so difficult. <laughs> you kind of are sometimes, but you know, <laughs> love you. Yeah, I, I did not read Ancillary. What's the first one? Justice? Mercy? Ancillary Justice. Yeah. I did not read yeah. Ancillary Justice when it came out and everyone was so excited about it. And then I felt like I had missed my window to read it. Um, mm. because it was part of a whole series. And I was thinking mm. at some point, someone's going to make me read something by Anne Leckie and like, like magic. <laughs> Adrian yep. was like, what about this one for podcast? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, Excellent. I think if you wanted to, if you're nervous about committing to this whole long endless series that may never end. And indeed, you know, I think it already is in a realm of, you know, having kind of new books added to it willy nilly. And so may well never end. Um, you could still get away with only reading the first one, I think, because it is, it sort of lurks in the no man's land between being just completely self-contained and having sequels that were known to the author before it was finished. It's just kind of in the middle. Like it does have sequels that were known to the author. It, there's clearly like you may well feel like you can't stop there with just the one. But yeah, I don't think I could. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a finisher, so. Right. All right. She also, if I'm right, she's also written a novel provenance which is also in the ratch universe but is a Mm -hmm. standalone novel is that correct it is in some sense supposed to be standalone ancillary (laughs) at the front of it (laughs) right um it it, it's unclear to me how standalone it really is i haven't read it but i've heard that it's it's kind of connected okay that's good to know so i won't start with that one then um but this is her first like non-science fiction non-ratch kind of like first novel as far as i'm aware that's totally outside of that universe right and in fact it's like our first just straight up like fantasy novel like it's not as far as i'm aware science fictional at all and we uh, you know i know i know we'll talk about like what these genre names actually mean and the fact they're utterly meaningless and all of that stuff but you know for the for the sake of everyone kind of knows what they mean when they see it um is that (laughs) also right matt like i think it's basically right she has this sort of um she has a couple of like things that are sort of attributed to her, but aren't like officially hers that, mm. uh, that I don't quite understand the complete relationship there. Like there's this book called true confessions, which is supposedly was written by her a while ago from when she was not yet a sort of professional author. Um, hmm. And I don't know what the status of her, like claiming ownership over that or like claiming, you know, attribution i don't know i'm not sure but (laughs) there's a little bit of a basically her first sort of well-known you know published book under her name was was ancillary justice i think cool that's fascinating cool yeah and so her books also deal a lot with i mean all the other ones are kind of space operas uh and sort of like almost like a banksian style space operas like ships with minds and personalities and a lot of these kind of like big sweeping vista type stuff Um, but also deal a lot like with these questions of like identity, these kind of like hive mind ships and like kind of individual elements of those ships breaking off as well as, um, like gender is a big theme throughout all of her books and like this book as well. Um, so we'll get into that when we talk a little bit about this book. Um, we should also talk some, I think maybe some, some facts that are about this book. Book facts. (laughs) All right, let's hit it. 
I want to hear the best sex. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you guys, you, you, you're so, thank you so much for putting up with me. I'm extremely <laughs> It's so hard. I would say if there's, if there's one thing very consistent about both of us, it's that we are extremely enthusiastic about everything. <laughs> 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 I mean the, the 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 drinks do help. Always. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um so book is The Raven Tower. It was published in just February of this year, so it's been out for like two or three months. The genre is just straight up fantasy. Um and sort of like this high fantasy, like other world kind of like, you know, it seems vaguely medieval. I've read like four pages of it so far, <laughs> so I'm I'm a little bit going off the back cover here, but you that's know. more than me, dude. um and then uh the um length of it is so the stuff i the information i always try to give people an idea of how long the book is going to be what i found online is that it's 430 pages which is like long ish i picked up a hardcover copy of it though and it's all like really big font and like like it seems like kind of a short and like easy read or not easy read it's a bit like fast read book i was gonna say so i haven't read the whole thing but i've read more of it than anyone else here so i feel qualified to speak on this Absolutely. The 15-ish percent of it that I read went by really, really fast. I had to I had to stop myself from continuing. So it definitely, yeah. it felt like a quick read to me. That is my experience with her other stuff. She is like a very fluid writer and it's like super fun. Yeah. It just goes by. Yeah. No, I'm, this is this, I'm looking forward to that. Um, and then I think, you know, format wise, as far as I'm aware, it's fairly standalone itself too. Like, I don't think it's the beginning of a brand new sprawling trilogy or anything like that. Um, so that's always nice too. I mean, I feel like one of the reasons fantasy books can be harder for us is that they even more so than sci-fi books fit in these big sprawling kind of like, you know, like it's harder to find a standalone. So I'm just happy (laughs) about that situation. Don't fact check um, this, but I'm pretty sure I have thousands of wrecks of standalone fantasy novels. Well, I will fact check that later when I ask you for recommendations. <laughs> and then, um, you know, it also, so it just came out, you know, less than two months ago at the point that we're recording this. So, you know, it obviously hasn't won any awards or all this kind of other stuff that we usually talk about the book in this like larger context of what its reception was like. There's not a whole lot of reception to it so far. I mean, what little review I saw when it came out was all very positive. Uh, and it's worth stating that uh, Lecky has won the Hugo. Um, I think every single one of her books has been nominated for a Hugo and she's won the Hugo at least once for ancillary justice. I think she might've won another time for some short stories and stuff. Yeah. Too. She's, she's also won the locus three times once for each of the books in that trilogy. Nice. <laughs> right. Um, she's won like a ton of awards, very, very highly decorated. <laughs> right. So, and you know, she just started publishing, it's under 10 years ago. I want to say like six or seven yeah. years ago. Um, so she's written a lot, gotten a lot of awards very quickly in the like short amount of time that she's been publishing, uh, which is cool and makes it exciting to get to like read this book and be, you know, sort of like, you know, yeah. on the, as much on the forefront as essentially will ever be. <laughs> yeah. And book. actually another, another really cool thing about kind of her, if you, for all the sort of like SFF, you know, world nerd people out there, she uh, and lecky attended the clarion west writers workshop mm. um in 2005 so she came up kind of that was one of the things that she used to transition into being a full-time novelist and it so happens she studied under octavia butler hey that's oh, really cool. cool so that's cool neat. so do you sorry we don't have to do this but did you want to mention in book facts that it's like a second person narrator it's a good book fact 
That is a good book. Thank fact. you. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's highly uh, we'll, factual and we'll, extremely. We'll bookish. also talk a little <laughs> bit about the specific, the, the 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 some more specifics about the book too towards the. And but yeah, it's oh, a second okay, sorry, I didn't mean to. Uh, no, no, be... no, no, no. That's that's actually a really useful thing to bring up mm-hmm. here because you, like, literally the first sentence is the first thing you notice. Uh, and I know that can turn some people off. Like some people, that's a really love hate kind of thing. I think the second person narrator. But um, what little I read of it so far, like I tuned it out. Or not tuned it out as in like a bad way, but it very quickly became very comfortable while reading it. What do people think of second person narrators in general? I'm just curious. I like doing weird stuff if you can pull it off. Sure. Some people can't. I think it's a cool mm-hmm. thing to try. That's about where I'm at. I think it's a cool thing to try. Yeah. I think it's I'm a cool trying, thing to try. I'm trying to think of other books I've read that actually are second person narrators. And I know there's some, but I'm like nothing is coming to mind really quickly. Whiskey Jenny, do you what is what is your view? Yeah, I can't think of anything that's like um, totally 100% all the time second person, but we read The Mothers by Britt Bennett for our Ooh. podcast a while ago, and I think we both really liked it, and that has an occasional like plural third person that chimes mm. in almost as a sort of Greek chorus that's really cool. Um, Ooh, so I think, fun. I think I'm where you are. If you can pull, it's like, it's a high risk, high reward proposition. <laughs> if, you can pull, yeah. if you can pull it off, I'm, I'm excited, yeah. but it's really hard. It's really easy to mess up as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We, we mentioned, I mentioned this on the podcast we just recorded yesterday for, for your guys' podcast. I love experimental weird stuff. Um, even sometimes when it doesn't really work, I still love it. So I'm st- yeah, I still know. admire the attempt, I think. Yeah. Right. right. Chutzpah. Um, at yeah. least as, the, as, as long as they're like actually putting effort into it. I think, I think sometimes you come across some of the stuff and it is purely gimmick with very little mm-hmm. effort. And mm-hmm. that, that to me more than whether it works or not is often the thing that will, if I get that feeling, I'll get turned off. There's by just it. a lot of bad joke articles. On sure, the internet. sure. And there's a lot of bad. I've never read it because it embarrasses me deeply. But there's a lot of bad, uh, like self-insert fan fiction that uses second person, as I understand it. Um, hmm. And I'm sure it could be done well, but I'm too embarrassed to find out. I guess there's also all the like now choose I really your want own to find adventure out. books are also second person. Oh God, I love choose your own adventure books. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's a great point. There's a big there's a big world of of sort of like, I don't know, non-traditional, like non like paperback in a supermarket type of fiction, like video games or Mm. choose your own adventure, like you said. Or I mean, I'm honestly thinking of like there's so many um, like kind of like I guess nowadays we would all call it call a lot of it like experimental fiction and and things like that. But like there's so many things that were written like long, long ago um, Mm -hmm. before the novel or the short story kind of attained their, you know, their, the format that we are all super familiar with. Um, Like think like monologues and plays, for instance, or like there's, there's all these, there's actually like a huge amount. And now that I think about it, there's like so much has been written actually some of it very, very well. That, that like uses grammar differently and has different grammatical standards, I guess. But we don't usually think of that stuff as in the same category. And so it's almost like because a novel is typically in the third person or the first person, therefore it should typically be in the first person or the third person. Like, <laughs> right. And, and Singular. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and, but that's just a tradition. That's all it is. Right. Right. It is interesting that you bring up video games. I hadn't really thought of that, but especially I feel like, 
RPGs and JRPGs, like there's there's this common theme of like the main character you're playing as doesn't really talk that much, and it's all the other characters like talking at them and telling them what they're right. doing, or like um, a which play. is really interesting. Yeah, I guess so. Or like you know Gordon Freeman in the Half Life, like he doesn't speak, <laughs> and everyone else like speaks at him, and it's kind of this interesting like like games can actually like physically put the you inside of the game while mm-hmm. having that kind of second person fiction. So that's kind of an interesting point. Hmm. Cool. Um, yeah. So, what? Where was I? Sorry, I interrupted you. That was <laughs> no, book facts. No, Continue. This is really, really. <laughs> it, was, it was good. Very, that, very. No, good. that's a really good question, though. Um, oh yeah. So the question was like, why we chose this book in particular, and like for me, I have been curious to read Lucky for a while. Um, and, you know, it's like new and coming out it was like, oh, this will be fun. And it's like some something brand new as opposed to like a new book in a series, which, you know, I think to Jenny, to your point, just makes it like for me, it was like, oh, this is a lot easier to instead of like <laughs> yeah. thinking like, well, even if it is the a standalone, it's still the first of four. And that's a lot to commit to. And I don't like commitments. <laughs> <laughs> four books is a lot. Also, for me, I mean, this you proposed reading this and I was mm-hmm. excited to. Um, but I think that I feel slightly more comfortable in fantasy than t- science fiction. Um, so I was excited to try Anne Leckie in a genre that I feel more um, like knowledgeable about, I guess. That's that's really interesting to me because, you know, I think um, there, I had this idea when I was growing up that like fantasy represented this like like committee like big fantasy novels or even a fantasy novel that didn't seem big represented like learning about a whole world and committing yourself to understanding all these different aspects of this secondary world whereas sci-fi is just like oh you know it's just spaceships like they're all spaceships like whatever interesting like Uh, that's interesting just uh i mean that was it was obviously you know even as a kid i kind of that was maybe that's maybe an oversimplification of what i thought but i i had this idea kind of that fantasy involved a greater commitment which i'm not against yeah even as a kid i liked it too but like it's kind of interesting to hear the opposite of that yeah Yeah, whiskey, Jenny. What about you? Because I like you and I communicated less before actually recording together. So I'm wondering what your thoughts were when this was proposed. Um, well, I was excited because uh, Anne Leckie has been recommended to me before, specifically Provenance, which I think you said mm. was the sort of standalone, sort of not for um, heist reasons. Uh, oh, I really like yeah. heists. And I apparently do love heists. Oh, heist I didn't even know that. I am so <laughs> going to read that even more than I already was. <laughs> Um, but also I've just, in general, she's been recommended as an author to try. Um, and I am still at the point where I am very much dependent on recommendations in my sci-fi and fantasy reading. I, mm-hmm. uh, am a newcomer to the genre, I guess. Um, still, so, but always though. I mean, oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and in all reading, of course, but I would say more so for me in these genres. Cool. Yeah. And you know, I think the the chance to get to read our first fantasy not like it was something that matt and i talked about a little bit when we were starting the podcast of like let's try to keep like science fiction meaning science fiction for the first like year ish uh but then like you know i don't think about like i think about these genres as really intertwined in a way like when i was a kid i never read any fantasy like i didn't even read like the hobbit or lord of the rings or anything i was like that's stupid like spaceships <laughs> are so much more real <laughs> they don't even have dumb. like a guy with a laser could totally take any wizard, like, <laughs> right 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 like the ultimate 10 year old boy argument yeah oh for sure i was the worst um <laughs> but uh 
you know, at this point, like there, you know, like I think about like genre and speculative fiction often in my head a lot more than like science fiction narrowly, even though it's like, you know, branding is easier to brand like science fiction. Um, so I was really excited to get to like, kind of like broaden our horizons in a really, you know, kind of like explicit way, but also like take a science fiction author's perspective on fantasy and kind of like start in that direction. Um, and then also, yeah, I think like Lucky has been recommended a lot and it's been one of these, like, I feel like almost an oversight at this point that I haven't I read I know, her, kind so. of me too, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh good, finally I can do that. I actually think, you know, I, I normally I would be hesitant to like overpraise somebody, but I just love her a lot and she deserves mm -hmm. the accolades, like totally. It's, yes, we all need to read more of her. <laughs> right. And Matt, you've done that like it, you know, like not even like recommending her to me so much as just like telling me how much you like her stuff in a very like oh, yeah. natural way, which she, is part she, of why it's yeah. like in my head, like an oversight instead of like, OK, a lot yeah. of people are telling me this, whatever, whatever. Sure. Yeah. So I this and Lucky's the ancillary trilogy is those are the kinds of books that I Adrian knows my cousin. So I'm going to reference my cousin now. My cousin and I had like. I think when we finished the each one of them, we had like an hour long conversation, you know, just gushing mm. like just oh, like so nice. I would say a thing that I loved about it. And then he would say a thing that he loved about it. And then, you know, for an hour, like <laughs> so we were just hanging out, agreeing with each other, essentially. Oh, yeah. No, it's a good mode. I have a, a lot of cousins. I feel like I should be able to get one of them to do this with me. <laughs> can i ask were you reading it together or were you getting together after you read it and discussing oh we it? were just on the phone i mean we live so far away yeah yeah no i mean you know it was one of those <laughs> things school. where yeah <laughs> dude i can't even tell you you know when i was little just those long conversations with my cousin talk gushing about whatever the thing was you know that's just that's that's what it's all about Oh, that's really right because you guys didn't grow up yeah. together so you used to talk on the phone even regularly when you were both younger yeah Oh, wow. That's so sweet. I didn't have that relationship so nice. with any of my family. Yeah. I had so many. Very, I, yeah. That's really nice. I have three sisters, so I talk to them a lot, but um, yeah. not yeah. super often to any of my cousins. Yeah. I only have one sibling, so my cousin is similar to another sibling. We're oh, that's very really close nice. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is why I'm realizing I, I like I have like now I, I work with your cousin and I also have worked with one of my cousins. like working with cousins is apparently a theme for me. Which is <laughs> <laughs> neither here nor there. I'm going to let you in on a secret. Most of the people you work with are someone's cousin. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, fair. man. That is Although, probably also a book fact. <laughs> <laughs> Matt is essentially like family to me. So like, mm -hmm. you know, his cousin also feels like my sure, cousin a little sure. bit. Like I'd heard about him. <laughs> so much too so <laughs> mm -hmm. i don't even know if the thing i just said was correct i have 35 first cousins so i have like a misconception about how many cousins Whoa. normal humans have that's a lot of cousins that's a lot i know wow yeah. you really should like i mean you know it would be, it would be easy to go overboard with reading books with them because then you'd be on the hook for like you know a huge number of books <laughs> in a short amount of time i know but. whiskey jenny again i don't want to tell any whiskey jenny but she's in four book clubs <laughs> Oh my God! Just mention that. It's too many, but it's I will so say I think the YA book club has—I think it's died. So I think it's—I okay. think we're down to three. <laughs> oh man! Still so many book clubs. I'm so jealous. I—I I wish Is I that could a done do for that. Now book club instead of a done for now book. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, like we might start up again. No one's—it's not been like the coroner's not declared it dead yet, but we haven't done it in a while. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm already rooting for it. Like I'm, I'm like on team whiskey Jenny restart fourth book club. Like I, I feel like. Like, you know, if you're not on that team, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> 
So um, I guess this is a good place to talk a little bit just about our experiences with like fantasy as a genre. And oh, before we do that, um, we should do content warning, which we always try to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be hard for this because like no, none of us has actually read the book. Um, it's hard to say. I don't I don't actually know. Um, I think the one thing I will say for the episode itself, because we also try to do it like a little bit for these episodes, is that, you know, we're like four cis people who are going to be talking about like gender broadly. Uh, take that or leave it. <laughs> like I understand why some people leave mm-hmm. it. So, <laughs> but you know, we, we, um, we are, we, you know, we're, we're going to talk about that. And uh, yeah, I think, I, I don't know. Is there anything else that you guys have or know about kind of, you know, beyond you, you know, usually there's like, you know, violence and stuff in these books. Um, but I don't know specifically. Yeah. Not that I've heard. Um, I have a, I have a Slack channel where I talk to a bunch of um, women and non-binary people about science fiction and none of them have mentioned any sort of major content warnings to be aware of. So if mm. there are, my friends have not told me yet. Great. All right. We will um, provide the same uh, content warning section in the beginning of the post-read episode, at which point mm-hmm. we will have more information. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but yeah, so sort of, you know, like what are our experiences with like fantasy as a genre and kind of like, you know, I guess there's like the boring version of this question is like, oh, what makes fantasy versus science fiction? But kind of like how in your head do you do you delineate them? Like what's the sort of thing as you're thinking about these books that you kind of like think like, oh, this is a book I'll like because it's the genre. Um, I was going to say kind of my uh, when I was making my notes for this episode, one of the things that I wanted to say is that I don't really see a huge distinction between fantasy and science fiction. Um, Um, Not only Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of edge cases, um, which I love. I mean, we just read The Best of All Possible Worlds by Karen Lord, which I think was, yeah, Mm -hmm. which I think was um, an edge case in a lot of ways. And we talked about that on the podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. But in general, I don't think there's much of a difference in terms of our imaginative engagement with the speculative elements. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think collapsing that distinction leaves a lot more room especially for books that have both magic and technology, um, which is something that I really enjoy. Um, plus I think it would hopefully eliminate this weird exclusionary thing around science fiction where if women Mm -hmm. are enjoying it or creating it, then it doesn't count. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, my, my opening Sally is (laughs) down with genres. (laughs) Legit. Absolutely legit. Whiskey Jenny, do you have any thoughts? Well, I was trying to think about how I conceived of them and I ended up just sort of tying myself in knots because it, <laughs> it, it, it like like I was trying to figure out what how you define them and I ended up with like um fantasy is in the wor- in the world itself you admit that it's magic and in science fiction it's uh mm. it's as if we just had better technology but if we're all admitting that like there's magic and we know how to deal it and work with it isn't that just the same thing as technology <laughs> <laughs> and then i found this really strange uh wikipedia article about science fantasy whose second yeah. sentence was like well everything in science fiction is scientifically possible and i was like i don't i don't, I don't think that's true <laughs> <laughs> so then I, then I kind of gave up it was like sure let's just burn them all on the ground and call it speculation. <laughs> no no quick pull back the curtain cover it up <laughs> don't let her see <laughs> is that true that everything is scientifically possible no, no. Yeah, yeah, so, i would nonsense. like to be teleporting to new york much oftener to have yeah. Yeah. total nonsense yeah that does not make total any sense nonsense at all. <laughs> oh my uh, God. matt what, what about you i'm curious i think there's room for more than one definition of a thing 
Mm-hmm. That's the first thing I want to say. Because, like, I think that, you know, there's this idea that <laughs> there is one acceptable definition for a thing. <laughs> which right. is not how, for instance, math works. It's also not how, like, <laughs> the law works. It's also not how, like, a lot of important, big, fusty, old, musty things work. So, you know what? Just stop. <laughs> um, <laughs> like... And, you know, okay, given that, um, your definitions, your, your, your thoughts on this are like, yeah, I've had all those thoughts too. Like I totally, you know, I mean, on the one hand, it's like there's certain things that you expect. There's certain like objects you expect to see in fantasy or science fiction. Like fantasy has swords a lot of the time mm-hmm. and science fiction has lasers a lot of the time. And like, if you see a laser in a story, does that then therefore mean it's a sci-fi story? Well, maybe Maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah. you know. What if there's laser swords? Yeah. What if it's Star Wars? <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. What if it, I mean, when I was little, I, I, um, Star Wars was like one of my touchstone, like, this is obviously science fiction um, right. things. And I love Star Wars. God, me um, too. And it's, it's really, it's really pretty different from like, I don't know, a Neil Stevenson novel. Right. You know? which, I mean, many of which are not even really obviously science fiction at all by any sort of stereotypical well, that's definition funny thing of science like fiction. He, Neil Stevenson also, when you dig into it, is <laughs> yeah, maybe not exactly. the best example of hard sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. But I guess the one one other thing that I was thinking of that that, that uh, hasn't hasn't been brought up yet is that there's a kind of an... Ev- there's, a, there's a family tree thing going on, mm-hmm. um, which ties into the, like, bringing... using the same tropes over and over again. It's like... If this book is kind of sort of based on that book and that book was science fiction, well, this book's probably also science fiction, you know, and, and so on. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of genre works in these sort of family tree-ish type ways. Like, you know, on the one hand, you know, like back in the 50s, people started, there were a lot of popular robot stories and popular, you know, sword and sorcery stories. Um, and a lot of the people that sort of, or like actually Lord of the Rings is like the best example ever, right? Because yeah. like... There's so much of modern Western English language fantasy is just has been modeled after Lord of the Rings and then mm. or modeled after things that were modeled after Lord of the Rings right. or um, modeld against Lord of the Rings. Right. Sure. Or, yeah. like, right. That's the exactly. And it's like it's almost like you could say, well, if it has that kind of familial relationship, if, it, if it's a descendant, then like that yeah. one way to think about what fantasy is, is that it's descended from other fantasy. Yeah. Um, right. But like. This definition, like all the others, is not perfect, and there's all kinds of edge well, cases. Or one of the ways I often weirdnesses. think about that, and this isn't like fantasy, but like like thinking about genre. Like one of the ways I think about genre is like any given genre is a conversation and a dialogue. That's a great way to think about it, right? Like that's one of the things genre is is a bunch of authors who are like responding to each other. Um, and so, you know, from that perspective, like it's less about the specific elements of the stories that they're writing and more like which particular authors are they in dialogue with as they're writing this thing. Um, and I, th- I think that's the point you're making, Matt, right? It's kind of like, what's the tree there? What's the like dialogue that it's a part of as opposed to like what's in the story itself? The, the other thing that I always think of when it comes to science fiction and fantasy too is like the tone and themes, like I feel like they they are often have like these very stylistic and like thematic differences. And in particular, this is actually something that 
uh, Brandon Sanderson, who's a fantasy author, like pointed out to me one time when I was talking to him on Reddit like 10 years ago. Is he the um, one that died before he finished his series? No, he was the one who finished the series okay, of the guy okay, who died. Okay, okay, I'm sorry, I'm so yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, you're almost <laughs> correct there. It's the opposite. <laughs> um, but he he pointed out that a lot of, and, I, and since in my reading, I feel like this is somewhat true, like a lot of fantasy, like its themes are around politics and power. And a lot of science fiction, the themes are around like, you know, maybe more science, philosophy, psychology kind of thing. Like there's a little bit of this this break there in what the most common themes are, uh, you know, because it's harder to find science fiction that's just about power politics and really like just about that. And a lot of the stuff that you do find has almost like a science fantasy-ish feel, even if it's, you know, the, we, we mentioned this when reading... Um, Yunha Lee's Nine Fox Gambit was like Nice Fox Gambit, as I call it. <laughs> nice Fox Gambit, exactly. <laughs> oh man, great! I love um, it. But that to me had this like, di- like I, the whole time I was reading, it, it's like, why does it feel so much like fantasy to me? And it, it was really, oh, because it's about politics, like much more so than anything. It's like it's a very much that's about like power so, politics here. That's so interesting to me because I totally think that Brandon Sanderson is full of it, and that's <laughs> <laughs> like just across the board or about this specifically. That <laughs> statement, no, no, this statement. I don't mean like little. I don't mean like everything he's ever said is full. Of <laughs> I just mean this particular thing. Um, uh, I mean, you know, right. Well, I'm throwing it out. He may also be wrong about other know. things. I don't know. Like, I'm like, <laughs> well, this is actually kind of related. To, I was talking to my friend Ira, um, who blogs it, who's one of the editors at Lady Business, um, and mm. they were saying that they made a, a point that I thought was excellent, which is that science fiction, the science part, refers to the quote unquote hard sciences, whereas fantasy mm-hmm. novels are mm-hmm. often experiments in social sciences mm-hmm. um which i thought was really mm-hmm. interesting and also speaks to i'm sorry matt but the gender divide um that sometimes <laughs> comes up between fantasy and science fiction yeah i mean no that i i i, I uh we, this is a reference to something we were saying you know before we started recording and i have to admit that there is it's impossible to deny that many people think that there is this that i don't even want to put words to this but Many people believe that fantasy is sort of female coded and it's like feminine in some in some way and and science fiction is is masculine in some way. And I almost like I'm trying to do this sort of like, I don't know, you could call it a head in the sand thing where I like don't want to like admit that that's a thing that many people think, (laughs) but it certainly is. I can't I can't deny that it is. Um, Well, if another thing that genre is, is like genres marketing, like these genre terms mm -hmm. are like marketing terms in a lot of way. And from that perspective... Like, I think the way the marketing for these genres works is is very gender. Yeah, but it's at it, least the, in my experience. The, the, you know, but the thing is, is that it's so completely ridiculous because well, yeah, I love like, that before we recorded this podcast, Matt was like, "We shouldn't articulate this position at all because it's so stupid," <laughs> and I have just forced you to be the one to articulate the position. <laughs> yeah, it feels really yeah. cool that, that we made you. I'm so sorry, I didn't do that. Yes. No, it's it's fine. I, I understand. There, I you know what I I. We can go there. We can go there. I, can I think we're here. Well, I would actually, I would be interested to know what all the people in this conversation's background is in reading science fiction versus fantasy, because I know mm. for myself, um, I already said that I feel more comfortable in fantasy. And one of the reasons for that, I think, is that science fiction feels in a way cordoned off from from mm. me as if like, this is a thing that's not for you. This is for gentlemen mm. to experience. Um <laughs> And I don't know if that's completely me sort of self-censoring from what I read or um, 
or if that's it's an actual not, it's definitely not completely <laughs> i mean like <laughs> yeah, no, I, i've heard other I, which is just to say that i've heard other women say that yeah um and it sucks and it really annoys me well whiskey mm. jenny you've you've said that as well right because when renee came on our podcast a while back renee from lady business came on our podcast a while back and gave us an sf starter pack and i think before that whiskey jenny you had felt quite intimidated by especially science fiction right yeah, but I think what's interesting is that for me, it's been both. It's been both science fiction and fantasy that I I felt pretty intimidated by. Um, and I was um, talking to some coworkers today about um, j- just the genres in particular, and they were like, "Well, you know, it's always been coded as fantasy <laughs> is is women and and science fiction <laughs> is men." And that I had never like had that articulated to me or had that explained to me. But then looking back at my reading. Um, like even before I was like, okay, I'm going to get into these genres and, and, um, you know, eat the frog or whatever the, I did have a lot more experience in, in fantasy reading. Um, so just sort of like naturally, not naturally, um, socially was pushed towards, uh, (laughs) reading more from that genre than science fiction, but I did not even notice it. And it's, I guess maybe it's such an insidious feeling that no one ever even Mm. said it to me. Mm. Um, so I, but, but, but I, I think it's interesting that I felt, I still felt cordoned off from both of them. So like somehow there's still some gatekeeping happening for both of them. But like then mm-hmm. like once you get it, it's like, okay, fine, you can have fantasy, but uh, <laughs> but we're going to keep the hard side. It sucks. Yes. No, I actually, uh, I'm becoming more and more glad that we're talking about this because like I realize, you know, the classic, you know, who does it serve to put your head in the sand? Of course. It, well, it serves the, uh, the yeah. powers that be. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say, this is why it's important to articulate these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, one thing I thought of when I was preparing for this podcast is, and I hadn't really thought of this before, um, one of the reasons I feel more comfortable in fantasy is because some of the books that were my most formative reads when I was a kid were fantasy books, like the first books I can ever remember Mm-hmm. in my life were the Chronicles of Narnia, which mm-hmm. my mom started reading to us when I was three and my older sister was four. Um, and it seems, and, and you guys can tell me if I'm mistaken on this, but it seems like there's more fantasy for kids than science fiction. And, and I'm not sure how that goes to the gender divide, but I was having a really hard time thinking of science fiction stuff that I consumed as a kid. I mean, the first science fiction experience I can remember having was watching Star Wars when I was 10. Right. There's definitely a lot of science fiction for kids, but in you and we've talked about this a little bit before. It's for boys. Like oh. it's not for kids, mm-hmm. it's for boys. Especially gotcha. I think of like Heinlein's YA stuff, which he wrote before, a lot of his like more adult stuff. <laughs> Did not know um, he had YA. You know, that sounds Arthur terrible. C. Clarke, like all all these books. Yeah. Actually, some of it I would say his YA stuff is actually better than his adult okay. books. Um, interestingly enough. But but I would say like a lot of a lot of the stuff I read as a kid, which was largely like like golden age science fiction for kids kind of before YA was even a term was all just like so clearly for boys. Or I also think of like, you know, there were like the Nancy Grace and like Hardy boy stories and like, you know, Nancy Grace was for girls and like Hardy boys was for boys. Nancy Drew. Nancy Drew. Thank you. Thank you. Um, That's actually like, but such a good illustration of the gender divide though. Right. Mm -hmm. But then, so what there was, was there was also a, what I think was called Tom Swift, which was another one for boys that was like science fiction mysteries and science fiction adventures. And there was no equivalent for women from that imprint. (laughs) Right. And so like, I think, I think this goes to like, there's often this kind of, you know, like 
Narnia is for everyone. Like I also read it as a kid. Uh, you know, I, we read it more from the like Christian kind of perspective oh, okay. than anything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but still like the, I, I think a lot of that kind of like also like fantasy is older than science fiction in some ways. I would say the stuff that I, this is really interesting because something Matt and I have talked about a lot on this podcast recently is what we call, um, uh, like Swiss Family Robinson styles or, or stories or Robinson <laughs> Crusoe stories, like yeah. these stories of like kind of like adventure and discovery and this sort of thing. And so when I think back to when I was good, the first stories I ever read were those, or like my dad read to me were those. Yeah. And I would say a lot of science fiction, like talking about it as a genre, like sure, the stories are not science fiction at, at all, but a lot of science fiction is directly in dialogue with them in a way that it's not with Narnia, whereas a lot of fantasy is, I think, in dialogue with Narnia and yeah, Tolkien definitely. and all this stuff. I mean, it's important, I think, to 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 say I totally agree with that as, you know, being an important point. I, I think it's also it's it's worth saying that science fiction, as you've said many times, is a marketing term. The the term was was coined to refer to stories after those stories already existed. Mm. And in some sense, you know, you could say what happened was there was this this market for you know adventure stories that were thought to be something that only young boys liked and yeah. some of those stories started to involve new kinds of machines and then mm -hmm. hugo gernsback started using this new word science fiction and that word caught on and that's why we have this word for this for this thing but like actually it's all so arbitrary. I mean, there, you know, you could, there, no one yeah. sat down and said like, uh, you know, Hugo Gernsback didn't even sit down and, and say like, oh, you know, I mean, the reason why I think it makes sense to delineate this genre in this way is because of blah, blah. No, of course not. He, he was just like, he, he didn't even meet, he like, it was like in a random editorial. It was like an offhanded remark, you know? And yeah, I mean, he might not have, but like John Campbell sure as fuck did, right? Like we were talking in our last episode about um, the the cold equations, which is this like kind of prototypical science fiction short story that like in a lot of ways to me, like is like a lot of the like worst things about science fiction. <laughs> and one of the things about that story was that it's, you know, it was originally written like not to be the story that it was like it was originally written where like at the end, like they figured out a solution to the problem and like they saved the young girl and the colony, not just the colony and had to like space the girl because of like, you know, the gold equation say we have to. Um, and John Campbell pushed back on that like three different times it was submitted and three times he rejected it saying, no, you can't find a way to save her. Right. Like there are people like there are men in particular who were yeah. editors of science fiction magazines who who decided that yeah, yeah. this no, no, would that, be that's, what science that's fiction really, is. That's actually exactly the point that I want to make. Like I, I'm not trying to say anything other than that. That's the the all of the decisions that led to us thinking of certain books being science fiction books and those books being coded in a certain way were decisions that were completely arbitrary that were made for reasons that didn't have to do with some kind of like higher order logic about the nature of the story. Mm. Or, oh, or I something. see what you mean by arbitrary. Yeah, you know I guess what I mean? that's what I was pushing, yeah. like arbitrary, I think of it as like contingent, but like actually very conscious and thoughtful. And like, yeah, that. no, but they, they could have <laughs> decided something else. They decided uh, one particular thing. They, they certainly could have done it a different way. And if they had done it, I mean, it's, it's another thing you could do is you can go further back before the word existed. And then we can see a, a much weirder world. You know, mm -hmm. Jules Verne is is considered like a classic science fiction author or like H.G. Wells, you know, mm -hmm. but those guys were writing, you know, H.G. Wells was 
a British, so it was an English socialist and he was like friends with the Fabians. And he was not, I think at all coded as masculine or feminine. His work was, if anything, it was coded as socialist rather than like gendered. Mm -hmm. And so if you perhaps had some association with socialism, then, you know, you know, that might lead you to something else. But and Jules Verne was, um, you know, he, he his work was was coded as um, being Republican in some sense. Like there there were political valences to this stuff, and but it was kind of maybe a little bit more attenuated and and not not quite working in the same way. And that's kind of that's the tip off, right? Like because if you go back far enough, the political valence gets all scrambled. Then you can see, oh, actually. Uh, the political valence that this stuff has had in our era and their parents' era and our grandparents' era is just kind of totally arbitrary and it could have been different. And it doesn't have mm -hmm. to do with the nature of the story itself per se. Like, there's no reason you can't have a story about a robot written by, a you know, anybody that's about, right. that's like coded for anyone or anything, you know? Right. Well, I mean, anyway, that's what Rupetta was, which which I know you didn't yeah. read with us, but like, I mean, that I, was I, a I, I did end up reading a story it. about lady yeah. robots written yeah. by a lady, very much about kind and of it's like... it's awesome. I, 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 yeah, I, I've, ran, I've ranted way too long, but I'll say <laughs> oh, one more thing. Yeah, yeah sorry, we've gotten in like one of our arguments here, which is, you know, I know, this is a us. classic. <laughs> uh, I'll, just one more thing, and then I'll shut up for a very long time, and that is um, the first... My, my interaction with science fiction from an early age was that I did not read as much of the golden age classics as many other people oh. i knew and i read a lot more of stuff that was like from the 60s on um from the 60s on science fiction started to include a lot more people and in particular one of my favorite series growing up was ann mccaffrey's dragon riders of pern series which mm. is supposed to be science fiction i've heard that's um, a mess if you reread it now it may well be. I uh, I have not <laughs> read it since I was a kid, and I don't really want to. That's right. You never reread, right? right. I know. Um, <laughs> I I like I like the 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 palace of my memory. Um, but yeah, I I I mean that those are books that are they were I was told that that was science fiction when I was a kid. But like, huh. they're, they're very different from. I mean, some people would probably say they're not science fiction, but I just think that's silly. You know. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's, okay, it's funny because growing up, my association with those was always Dungeons and Dragons and thus fantasy and not science fiction, plus just dragons at all. Right. Um, but of course, those little, so just for listeners, if you're not familiar with the Dragon Raiders books, like, you know, they have dragons in them. But the, the idea is that everything is given a scientific explanation. What's, what's going on is that humans mm -hmm. colonized this planet and over many generations bred from a native species of this planet, creatures that are very similar to dragons that they refer to as dragons. But actually, before I say anything more, because I've spoken too much, um, I wanted to ask Whiskey, Whiskey Jenny more about her relationship with science fiction and fantasy, if you don't mind, Whiskey Jenny. Sure, fire away. Um, so do you have it, has your relationship with them changed like as you've gotten older have you read a few books here and there and maybe have a new view or do you still feel do you, do you feel the same level of of gate kept out now that you that you did um no so i i guess sort of a few years ago like acknowledged that i felt um excluded and wanted to get in and sort of like, you know, made that a, a conscious intention. Um, and then as Jin Jenny mentioned, we had Renee from Fangirl Happy Hour come on and she made us a little starter pack, um, which was really helpful because she um, 
like t- told us all the information you would need to read these books. And I think also kept in mind my particular um, uh, strengths and weaknesses as a reader and, uh, That's ridiculous. and likes, no likes and dislikes. As Adrian found out yesterday, as poor Adrian found out yesterday, I um, I have a really hard time like not knowing everything that's going on, which I, I admit definitely plays a part also in my struggle with science fiction in particular. I, I, I'm like, yeah. but what? Is, what does that mean? Um, yeah, but yeah, my my wife is like that, and she's a she reads an enormous amount, and so you know, I I'm familiar to some extent with that. <laughs> oh, good, I'm not alone. Nope. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, after reading those, um, I, I think also Renee did a good job of picking things that, um, were by diverse authors and had diverse themes happening. And, uh, I would, I would not say that I am like a, a connoisseur of the genre at all by any <laughs> means now, but, um, I definitely feel more comfortable. Um, I'm, I'm still pretty intimidated by it now. And I, I will compare this to my, um, comic book journey hmm. where I also, uh, like had never even been in a comic book store and was terrified to go in one because mm-hmm. I, I was like, they're going to know immediately that I don't belong here. Oh, um, for what it's worth, I still feel that way. When I go <laughs> into mine, <so> but <laughs> I don't anymore. I can like march in there now and be like, I like this and this and this. Tell me what I should read instead. And like, I, I'm confident enough now that if someone's like, ugh, you like that and that, I'm like, okay, well, you're not the person for me. Never mind. Yeah. Whereas uh, I'm still not totally as confident in science fiction and fantasy to like push back when people are... Um, I don't know, being annoying mm. about things. Yeah. Uh, but it definitely has changed over the past couple of years, for sure. So, I mean, I guess that's hopeful. That is extremely hopeful. I love that story. Dear listeners, if you feel yourself to have been <laughs> once in the position of Whiskey Jenny pre-comic book confidence, I hope one day <laughs> that you can follow her on that journey. And, and I do shout too. Out. It's really great. Comic books are really fun now. <laughs> shout out, by the way, to anyone comics in Brooklyn, um, which Whiskey and I... was which was, which whiskey jenny and i went to together and it is just the loveliest most welcoming comic book store and i didn't feel at Mm. all excluded there which i often do in comic book stores me neither and i gave him the most specific thing that i was like i like the um in hawkeye by matt fraction that like specific series i only i like the stuff where he's like a normal person but also superhero stuff (laughs) (laughs) and he's so just like that really specific itch i need you to scratch and he gave me like five things it was so great (laughs) It was really, and also I was, I was c- talking about different comics that Whiskey Jenny might enjoy. And he was like, do you want to work here? And it made me feel great. <laughs> <laughs> That's because awesome. I'm a relative newbie to comics. I mean, Whiskey Jenny has like c- come 20 million miles in such a short time. Or as I feel like over, you know, 15 years, I've come like one inch <laughs> into comfort with comics. I actually wanted to just one one quick follow up on that, which is because you guys have mentioned the um, the primer a couple. Like, what books were on the science fiction primer? Oh, yeah, I'm just good, really good excited. Oh, yeah, or really um, curious about like which specific books you liked out of that. Yeah, we want to read them too. Gosh. <laughs> right. um, I, I feel like we've liked most of them, right, Whiskey Jenny? We really have. It's been a raging success. Um, Karen Memory was on there. By, oh, I want to read that. Bear. Elizabeth Bear, uh, Mars Evacuees, we both loved. I think by Ooh. Sophia McDougall. Which is a really delightful. I was just saying that I I find fewer uh, SF books for young readers, but Mars Evacuees and its sequel were both um, science fiction books for young readers about women or about girls, um, and they're excellent. I cannot recommend them highly enough. Hmm. 
that's awesome. I don't know anything about them, and I'm yeah, I've never heard of that. Before. Oh my god, they're cool, so fucking charming. I really, <laughs> really recommend. <laughs> love it. I love yeah, it. they're so sweet. They're uh, so sweet. They're pretty middle grade, and so if you would like to read them as adult, it's like you fly through them, and mm. you're just happy the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I think, and then for like a very happy hour. <laughs> I think yes. that the year I first read Mars Evacuees, I bought it as a Christmas gift for three separate people. <laughs> oh, that's a really good recommendation. That is. Yeah. <laughs> that is. Okay, what else was on there? Zoo City by Lauren Bucus. Um, Ooh, I've heard Binti. Binti Binti by Nadia Dor- yeah. Okorafor. Oh, oh. Yeah, we, I don't know if you know this, but we love Binti so much. Yeah. Oh, yay. Um, yeah, we did a we whole did a thing. Big, we did a month series on, on all yeah. three of them. Oh, I see. That was I, I didn't listen far enough back. I got to go back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, you don't. But uh, thank you. <laughs> I think when Renee came on, we talked about Old Man's War. Yes. And I really enjoyed how funny that was. I had mm. not, before in my head, all science fiction was like really serious and mm. took itself really seriously and there were no jokes. Mm. And I really like when there's jokes in books and that book had jokes. Mm. Oh man, now yeah. I want to make you just like a SF starter pack with jokes. Yeah. yeah. I, like I immediately oh, like, oh, it. let oh. me write down some novels for you. <laughs> that's, 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 actually, that's, actually, that's actually awesome because I, one of the episodes of yours that I listened to most recently was the one from way back. I was just like browsing the archives and I listened to one where you talked about humor in books. Mm-hmm. And I totally wanted to ask <laughs> you about no this. I have no memory of that episode. <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago. I totally wanted to ask you about this, but I didn't think it would come up naturally in the conversation. And look, it has. Um, Here we are. <laughs> so, so Whiskey Jenny, you are. How do you feel about humor in in books now? Gosh. Uh, it, great. How, did I, how in, did I feel then? Yeah. Well, so then you uh, you, you you said some things about how you thought it was not. You know, it was it was kind of um, it was a. It, I'm going to butcher your your view because I'm <laughs> not going to. Uh, you were ambivalent in many cases about humor in books. Put it that way. I, was I, I possibly the one? I it's Jin-Jenny? possible. I may have gotten you mixed up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I no, our voices it. sound very similar. That wasn't oh. a shot at you. <laughs> Yeah. I'm so As sorry. I said, our, my mother has trouble telling us apart. So if any listeners are like, oh, God, I can't. It's fine. We're, it's very similar. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, we have the same name. So there's no chance of a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have different drink orders, though. So I don't know why anyone <laughs> can figure it out. Thank God for that. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, this okay. is, that's actually a great like one of these days we're going to need to read like just a straight up like comedy sci fi book. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, so um, the uh, Lois McMaster Bayold books are the first thing that come to mind because I, I, I mean, like oh. I just find I find that the the one of them that I have read was was pretty funny. So <laughs> well, maybe that's a weird thing to think of. But I read like half of one and was very, very nonplussed by it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> My, I have several friends who are very, very into that series, and they keep trying to get me to read them. And I'm like, ah, there's so many of them, though. I know, I know, I know. I, I've, like I said, I've only read one. I would read more, though. So, I mean, you know, we could talk about it. I'd give it maybe, a shot. Maybe, yeah. not. maybe, 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 maybe not. Maybe we can figure something out. Um, where were we? <laughs> oh yeah, we we've gotten we've gotten somewhat <laughs> off track. But I wanted I to think ask. We're very on track. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. This is the, this is this is where the track is. The track is where we say it is. <laughs> the track um, is where we are. <laughs> um, that's very wise, Adrian. Yeah, that's yeah. That hurts very bullshit. I'm not quite yeah. sure. But let's go with the wise right now. <laughs> there, there is uh, another question I wanted to ask. Re gatekeeping because this serious right. and important topic is 
something that I don't, um, that I can't speak to as well. And I want to hear people who can speak to it. Um, so, uh, Jin Jenny, I was going to ask yeah. you what your experience was, um, vis-a-vis gatekeeping. What, something you said reminded me of the fact that there's, there's a kind of male, female thing, but there's also just like an in-group out-group thing, nerd culture, nerds manning the walls to prevent people that quote unquote aren't nerds or aren't real nerds or something that, that species of mm-hmm. bullshit also exists <laughs> yeah. um, and sucks. Do you have, um, has your experience with that like improved over the years or have you, do you have, I don't, it just doesn't have to be like a positive story. Do you have a, uh, what's your experience <laughs> with that? Um, I would say that my experience of that is that I've gotten quite good. And I think the internet facilitates this for better or worse. I've gotten quite good at curating my corner of the internet so that I'm mostly interacting with people who would not try and sort of gatekeep me out of um, science fiction. Um, I think the biggest thing that I have experienced as gatekeeping um, is that when a woman enjoys or creates something that's in a traditionally quote unquote, traditionally male genre, there's this very, um, notable, uh, sort of atmosphere of like, how dare she? Mm. Um, and I think the all women ghostbusters is a really good example of this mm. or like star Wars, which I, you know, I was a huge star Wars fan. Like, watching Star Wars when I was 10 was one of the most sort of weirdly impactful experiences in my life because my parents were quite um, conservative in what they let us watch, not conservative in their politics. Uh, I don't want to slander them, but they were quite conservative in what they would let us consume. So I think Star Wars was maybe the first PG movie that I ever saw. Mm. I actually and, had the same experience with Star Yeah. Wars, so. <laughs> and, and watching it, I felt suddenly like I was a citizen of the world in a way that I'd never really felt before. Um, so, so I've had some really positive experiences with, with coming into a genre, but I also think there's this attitude when a woman does participates in a male dominated or male coded genre where like, why is she here? Whereas when a a guy participates in a female coded genre, like YA or romance, it's like, this is incredible. John Green is here to save YA. We're so fortunate to have him. <laughs> and that's not, that's not intended as a shot at John Green. He seems really nice. I, but the, the attitude that... Oh, sorry. My always not. Yes. I mean, you can shoot at him if you want. I, you know, <laughs> I mean, I gladly would if I was mad at him, but I'm actually yeah, not. Yeah. We're all for throwing shade here. Yeah. So I think I was reading a book recently by Shannon Sullivan um, that talked about how... Uh, privilege and she's speaking specifically about whiteness but i think it applies to a lot of kinds of privilege um leads privileged people to believe that all spaces are available for them to use and she calls this ontological expansiveness um Mm -hmm. and i think that the opposite of that and i don't know what i would call that but i think i was kind of aware from quite a young age that science fiction was not for me to participate in um and I think it was more of a general cultural feeling than anyone saying like, oh, no, you, Jen Jenny, cannot come in and hang out in our science fiction world. So it's like a very sorry, that's like a very rambling answer to your question. No, but but I'm 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 that's exactly what I was wanting to hear your view on this. Um, it's a, interesting to me the way that now 
like you say that at the time it was kind of just this broader cultural feeling, but I feel like now there is this actually like a lot of explicitly like groups who say that, right? Mm -hmm. Like the whole angry puppies things from a couple of years ago in particular. And like they're, you know, which, you know, stemmed from Gamergate. And if you want to like really get into this, like Gamergate and everything that stemmed out of that, Comicsgate, et cetera, where it's all very much about like, no, this is ours. Yeah. Which, and one of the reasons I like talking about like, the new age science fiction or Matt, to your point, like science fiction before that was even a term or why I think that talking about John Campbell's like kind of pernicious influence is really important is because you say like this stuff is kind of contingent. And also it's worth noting that like, you know, like women didn't start writing science fiction 10 years ago, even though that's when they or or, you know, 40 years ago in the 60s or whatever, even though that's when they started winning the awards. Right. Because the awards don't actually reflect what's going on on the ground yeah. necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know that 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 to me is the sort of thing of like that there is this really like explicit now people just are straight up saying that. And that's like mm-hmm. bad and wrong and dumb in a lot of ways. But also it's not new. Yeah. And, and neither mm-hmm. is like women yeah. in science. We're like, like both of yeah. these things aren't new. The like, just like the the visibility of it, I think, is mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. I think for I think for me, there was a lot of self selecting happening as well. Whereas mm-hmm. if I did, and I there are some specific jerks that I encountered that I was like, oh, you're saying this is not for me. Um, therefore, if this is the kind of person that this is for I don't want to be a part of this at all and it's sort of like well fine fuck you I'm gonna Mm -hmm. not have anything to do with this um Mm -hmm. you did say we could curse so I'm gonna curse do it do it do it do it it. fuck Uh, them for real though (laughs) so so it's it's sort of like I mean and I think uh you know everyone has their own response to that but for me that was really only like no one else cares if I get involved in this genre Mm -hmm. I mean they do but like really that was only hurting me and you know what I needed to do was have an intention to be like actually no my response needs to be to to wade into these waters rather than avoiding them because that's i'm only gonna exclude myself from from these things um Mm. but i like i went on a very terrible date where a man told me that like the only book that needed to exist was the wheel of time (laughs) and oh my god it hurts in particular if you're talking like and this is a recent date this is a recent like pretty in the past couple of years where i was like i'm like i do a book podcast man like what are you talking about i'm so sorry (laughs) but like that kind of man exists and it it makes you want to not associate with that kind of man man. and it I I absolutely know that not all men are like that, but it's so easy to just be like, you know what? I'll just avoid that forever. Of course. I I couldn't blame you in the slightest. It's like a totally reasonable reaction to that. Well, and one other thing that I, and Adrian, I mentioned this when you were on our podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. I recently read a, um, a book. I I recently read the Cluiston test by Kate Wilhelm, um, Mm. which was published, I think in 1976 Mm-hmm. And what really surprised me is that she has written a ton of science fiction and I had never heard of her. So has yeah. Diana Wynne-Jones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a ton of these very no, successful. I mean, anyway, the, sorry. Go the on. reason that I had that response is Diana Wynne-Jones is probably my favorite author of all time. So <laughs> <laughs> I can see why. I mean, she's like one of the best. Oh, God. She's fucking incredible. Um, 
but I think that in addition to every other damn thing about how these genres are, are gender coded, um, I think that women's history of writing in SF gets erased very mm-hmm. quickly. Yep. I mean, again, yep. this book was from 1976, which I know is not amazingly recent, but that's what, 40 years ago. That's mm-hmm. not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and she won a Hugo. She was one of the co-founders of the Clarion writing workshop. Um, and I had never heard of her. And the only reason I heard of this book was that I talked to my blog about the yellow wallpaper and someone said, this is similar to the yellow wallpaper. So it was not even wow. in the context of science fiction. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I, I mean, I don't know of that book and, and like I try to know of books exactly like that book for exactly this reason. <laughs> yeah. That was what was right. Exactly. Me as well. So I, there was a, it was a, weird experience when I went to the library and found that she had a whole shelf full of books and they were all clearly science fiction and I'd never heard of her before. Oh man. That's okay. Can you say the name again? Yeah. Sorry. Um, so that's Kate Wilhelm and the book was the Clueiston test. And by the way, it has like racism and homophobia and ableism and kind of all mm-hmm. the things you would expect from, uh, a, okay. Yeah, right. in, yeah. Know, the, the new age of science pic- fiction was not perfect. It was better <laughs> on a few things. And yeah. Definitely not perfect so on a lot of the rest. I, just, just to take a, a moment for my favorite hobby horse of like historical things that are ancient and probably no one cares about anymore. There are a number of very interesting, old, forgotten or semi-forgotten science fiction books that were pretty influential that were written by women. The most, the oldest that I'm aware of is that Mary Cavendish wrote a book called The Blazing World in the 1600s, which, you know, you could call proto-science fiction. The reason I know of it is because it was in an essay about proto-science fiction that I read once. And so I think it's fair, you know, put it this way, some scholars call it proto-science fiction. It's about (laughs) people who go on an adventure, a scientific expedition in a ship and fall through an interdimensional portal to another dimension. That's a pretty science fiction plot, if you ask me. Now, of course, it's it's somewhat different from like, a, you know, a more modern take on that plot would be. But um, that that book was very influential because she was a very influential woman in, in the intellectual world of the 1600s. Another very famous book would be, oh, no, shoot, I'm going to I'm going to butcher the title. Okay, well, while you um, think yeah. about it, I'm just going to mention Mary Cavendish was from Essex, the greatest part of England, Essex Girls Forever. <laughs> <laughs> British listeners to your podcast are like thinking a thought right now and I know what you're thinking and I don't agree. <laughs> Incredible. You just just alienated 11% of our audience right there. <laughs> so I uh, totally, this is not the book I was thinking of, but I should mention Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. Woo. That's an obvious mm-hmm. one. Perhaps the foundational text of modern science fiction could be argued. Good argument. But, sure. you know, obviously <laughs> written by a woman. Um, so the book that I was trying to think of is a book called Mazora, um, which is a book about a world of only women uh, written by a woman named Mary Lane and published in 19, 18, 1880 to 1881 when it was serialized. Mm, um, nice. Where was it serialized? In Cincinnati. Okay. <laughs> I was hoping you were. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I no, no. I was hoping you were going to say "Women's World," which was the periodical in oh. London that was edited for a time by Oscar Wilde, my man. But oh, that's cool. 
That's also cool. And there's another. I was going to say when, when you asked where was it serialized, I did not expect a city as opposed to a publication. <laughs> no, oh, sorry. Yeah, I guess that would make more sense. Um, it, it, it was in some rando newspaper from Cincinnati. Right, right. Yeah. That's what I. The media realized. place. Yeah. 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 And so there's also um, a slightly more well-known, I think, novel called Herland. Um, oh yeah, by Yellow Wallpaper, Charlotte Perkins Gilman. Indeed, indeed, and that book, I, as I understand it, was very influential um, in the feminist movement. Uh, I don't know if Mazora was or was not influential, but certainly, like the point is, there's this whole tradition of mm-hmm. science fiction by women that has been uh, forgotten. Uh, you know, excepting Frankenstein, which has not been forgotten, of course, but like isn't. Often, sometimes it's not given its, well, its proper place. And of honor. I think more than forgotten, just like also at times purposefully ignored. Yeah, yes, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. right, right. Like exactly. I think forgotten is a little bit too yeah, easy no, you're of right, a you're term right. for a lot of this. Um, Written out. Right. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Unlike chosen, you know, like we choose what the canon is. The canon doesn't like mysteriously That's appear. Right. That's right. <laughs> no, it, it is the specific decision of a bunch of dudes that mm-hmm. which books you know because like you know the reason why people think of the canon of science fiction as being what it is is because it's the books that people talked about at conventions and wrote about in editorials and mentioned offhandedly and references in their own writing and the people that were doing all of that were men i think almost entirely i would be surprised if there were any women um and they were they were doing it because for a lot of you know classic patriarchy reasons <laughs> well and one thing that i've really noticed and that has become very um obvious to me and i don't want to bring up politics but especially in the sort of political news cycle um is that the devaluing of women is almost sort of automatic um Mm -hmm. and people will will find any kind of way to discredit women doing anything um and i've observed this in in genre as well we'll do just about anything to protect men from having to read girly books I did air mm-hmm. quotes. You can't see me out there in podcast land. Um, but I, I was thinking about this in terms of mysteries, which is not a genre that I read a lot. Um, but I think there's a subset of mysteries called cozy mysteries that are considered girly and that kind of get devalued even within the construct of the genre of mystery. And that seems like an incredibly common thing that happens across all genres. If a woman is doing it or many women are doing it, then it's a separate, they kind of make up a separate subgenre that's less good and less important and, and kind of shove them off into that corner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm glad you brought up mysteries because I don't know if y'all have heard about the staunch prize or the staunch award that oh, came yes. out I'm so I think glad you last year oh no what is that um no. which is a prize for <laughs> it's so th- sad go ahead sorry. yeah um oh, no. it's a prize for thrillers that don't have violence against women like no one gets stalked raped <sighs> beaten murdered uh, <laughs> that is sad. there's just that is sad it, it is sad. um there was some to, to there was clarify, some blowback against it is sad it. that sad that, that exists that it's necessary, yes right? yeah absolutely <laughs> There was some blowback against it because people were like, you know, violence against women does exist and we need to Mm -hmm. sort of address Mm -hmm. that together as a society. But I don't think that argument holds water because those books still exist. And this award is for the books that don't have Mm -hmm. a bunch of dead female bodies just Mm -hmm. as um, uh, set dressing. uh, Yeah. Um, So like not only does mystery and I'm calling them out just because that's what we're talking about now, like uh, segregate its genres, but 
there's within the ones that are coded as the fancy ones and as the male ones <coughs> there's like a just a disproportionate amount of 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 dead ladies in them and yeah. it's like mm-hmm. why do you why why do you have to mm-hmm. always kill the women and I, like i don't know there's just something um uh i'm excited now to mark things as like s- fulfilling the staunch book prize um criteria. Cool. criteria or not it's also kind of funny reading their criteria website because they have to they made exceptions for like if you kill a bunch of people all together and there's <laughs> women in there like that's cool that's totally fine <laughs> right it's like the specificity oh, of it that is important you have to yeah, specify that's, that's so, so funny that's so funny you know and this well, this does go to something mm-hmm. where you know like the blowback against that goes to this thing of like, you know, oftentimes, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's like you don't find enough women in science fiction. Then like, why don't you write your own? And then you uh. do. And it's like, <laughs> oh, why did you, why are you writing this? This is ours, you know? And it's like that yeah. kind of blowback right. or, you know, this idea right. that like, oh, like having diverse works invalidates the other works. Like how fucking fragile mm-hmm. do you have to be to <laughs> worry about that? And it's like, well, pretty fragile because probably you know that a lot of that <laughs> stuff isn't very good. Um, anyway. Yeah, man. That's yeah. why, I mean, honestly, that's why I haven't read a lot of classic science fiction because when I have tried to, it's been so, like, not even hostile to me, but but has had an assumption that everything that the author needs to know about me mm-hmm. as a lady mm-hmm. has already been kind of examined and mm-hmm. discarded as not worth exploring. Um, mm-hmm. Which has yeah. made me extremely gun shy to read some of the classics of science. Like I tried to read Stranger in a Strange Land by um, Robert Heinlein. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no. I'm laughing because don't do it. <laughs> Adrian and Matt both shook their heads sadly. When I said that. No, it's, it's just not. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I can't read that stuff either i I read it when i was a kid um and even if i were inclined to reread things i mean it's just i (laughs) when i try to read things that are you know books uh classic you know golden age sci-fi books that i haven't read before especially some of the particularly famous ones that are famous in you know in fan land um yeah there i can't get i can't get through them i mean it's just it's not it's it's too unpleasant it's it's like for yeah for a lot of reasons it's it's unpleasant because of the way that it treats women it's unpleasant because of the way that it treats politics generally it's unpleasant because of the way it treats violence there's a lot of problems mm-hmm. um but i mean i if if nothing else i hope one of the things that i want to you know you know help help people see is that there are these other traditions um of playing with these tropes that have always been owned and operated by non creepy white men <laughs> Um, like going way back, you know, and not just recently, not just, you know, since Octavia Butler or Kelly Gwynn, but like going all the way back to before this was even a thing. Um, so that, that it does exist, you know, and, and, and like the, the kind of open, uh, honest, um, uh, you know, welcoming version of, of the stories that involve lasers, like is a thing. And like, you know, (laughs) if you want it, you, 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 you can enjoy it too. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, when the, you mentioned earlier, the, the sad puppies whole controversy, I remember speaking to some of my friends who at that time were much more involved and, and still are certainly more involved in uh, SF fandom than I am. And I was kind of saying like, just let the Hugo Awards go, you know, like the fascists Mm -hmm. have them now, just like let it go. And my friends were saying, 
we don't want to. We're, we refuse to see this ground. Um, and I think they were right and I was wrong. Um, and I think that a lot of the work that gets recognized now by the Hugos and by other awards um, is just much more diverse and feels much more welcoming to me. I mean, you were talking about Yoon Ha Lee a little mm-hmm. earlier, the nice fox, excuse me, the nine fox gambit. Nope, the first one was correct. <laughs> nice fox gambit <laughs> at SEC. Uh, or J.Y. Yang's Tensor at series. I mean, there's just a lot of work being done that... Mm not only doesn't feel hostile to me, but feels actively welcoming to me. Mm, that's so good. Mm-hmm. And Kay Jemison has become the most, you know, Hugo winning, the Hugo winningest, I should say, uh, author ever, um, right. which yes. I love her work. Right. So I love that. Well, and also this year, the Hugo novels, there's, you know, a single man and he's a trans man on the, on the award ballot this year. So like things are yeah. definitely changing. Yeah, and in a way that just feels far less hostile to me. I was actually I went to the I went to WorldCon for the first time last year, which was really fun. Um, and so That's I was awesome. at the Hugo ceremony where N.K. Jemison won. I guess it was for cool. best. What? No, it was for her third novel. Well, it was. It was for. Point. It was. Yeah, for... yeah, it was for the third of the trilogy, uh, Broken Earth trilogy. Yes, and I can't think of the name of it. The which which one is that? Obelisk Gate. Obelisk Gate. No, Stone one. Sky. Fuck. What's the last one? The Stone Sky is the is the last it is. one. Okay. So she won the she won the Hugo for the Stone Sky, um, and she gave a really terrific speech, and it just felt like this is a version of speculative fiction that in which I am welcome. Um, and that was really great. And I, you know, I really feel fortunate to be reading speculative fiction at this time when it actually wants me there. Mm. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm glad for that. Um, I will say it is getting late, uh, especially oh, all of us East Coast folks. Um, sure, sure. Are there other points that we wanted to tackle here today while we're talking? I don't think so. Whiskey Jenny. I don't think so. I'm examining my notes and I think that's about it. Yeah. Cool. I feel like we could have okay. a long conversation if it weren't so late. We could keep going for a long time, which is wonderful. <laughs> I really like talking to you. Sure, of course, of course. <laughs> I, I do too. No, I don't want to like cut stuff short. Um, no, 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 no. I didn't mean that either. I didn't mean <laughs> that either. It is indeed late. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I also, you know, we will have a chance to talk like a lot more in depth and, you know, specifically about this book altogether. We're going to be doing the post read together here. Um, and I think that that will be fun to both be able to like talk about this book and also talk about some of these issues in a like concrete way with one specific mm-hmm. book. Um, yeah, definitely. And, you know, also I will say like in our conversation, some of the stuff didn't come up uh, on your podcast. It might not have come up like as explicitly in like gendered terms like this. But I think when we were talking about, um, literary science fiction and like genre versus literary fiction. I mean, that was what the most of the conversation was about. And, you know, I think this stuff is in the air in that conversation as well. So if listeners want to do that, they should go and listen to that episode. Yeah, stop by. Come listen. It's a really good conversation. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. It was it was a lot of fun. Cool. Well, um, you know, Whiskey Jenny, Jen, Jen Jenny. I said Jen Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> I do sometimes worry that I only like gin because it sounds like my name. <laughs> right. I, I mean, there are far worse reasons. Right. Also, juniper <laughs> is delicious. Like, you know, that, that you, that when I drank, that was my drink of choice. So I, I, <laughs> yeah, I got yeah. you. Um, but, you know, thank you both of you so much for coming on and, you know, scheduling and doing this with us. It's like the best. Um, it's so, so happy to have you on here. Yes. Likewise. So happy. It's awesome. I, I actually was really, really excited because I love your podcast. And it's like really cool to just like to talk to people that you have only heard. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, we were really excited to come on. Thank you so much for having us. This has been really fun. I'm super looking forward to part two of two. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, thank yep. you so much. This is this has been a delight, and I am glad that we get to that we get to that. There's more. There's more coming. This is not this is not goodbye. <laughs> yep. No, no. <laughs> um, so I'll I'll just outro us really quickly. I mean, I, again, just you know, the book is Anne Lucky's The Raven Tower. Buy it, read it. Is good. At least we think it's good so far. Um, so, <laughs> sources say. Good. I've read like five sources pages. Say. Yeah, yeah. Like like Matt has said many times today. Like people are saying uh, is good. And uh, yeah, uh, the music you're hearing right now is WJ. Uh, you can find him on SoundCloud. Thanks to Noah Bradley for our art. You can find us at Spectology Pod on Twitter. Uh, SpectologyPod at gmail.com. Uh, spectology.com is where everything is. You're, you know, listening, I guess, you know, subscribe, that kind of stuff. Uh, find uh, Jin Jenny at reading the end on Twitter. Um, and reading the end.com has both their blog and the podcast that both she and whiskey Jenny are on. Uh, anything, any other plugs for you guys? Uh, no, I think that's, I think that pretty much sums us up. Cool. Well, thank you again, everyone. Uh, this has been phenomenal. We will thank talk you so next much. time. Yay. Yeah. Thank Yay. you. Bye. Bye.